And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando, the cowboy wizard, coming to you live from his abode, his magical <laughs> cavern laboratory on the beautiful South Fork of the Smith River. I'm coming to you from the Middle Fork in the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme. We are loving life. It's gorgeous out in the beautiful spring here. Uh, my bees are buzzing. Uh, and the flowers are blooming. We're getting fruit trees in the ground today. Uh, we just lost a chicken, though. So as soon as this podcast's done, the kids and I are going to go. It's perfect timing, actually. We're going to go bury the chicken right before, right where we're putting this fruit tree in. So this chicken will now feed this fruit tree, and we will live off this chicken uh, for the next year. And my, this was my, by the way, one of my son's ideas. So I'm I'm teaching them well, Tom. I'm teaching them well. Uh, the circle of life is always uh, doing a, doing its thing here. Uh, we have Tom Barnett on with us today. We're going to go deep into what's going on in Oz right now with the weather and with the community consciousness that's erupted and all the great things really that are coming out of this quote unquote crisis. Um, and uh, fantastic stuff. We're um, uh, Bear and I were just on a really fun podcast yesterday uh, that's coming out probably in a week. It's called the Tinfoil Hat Podcast with Sam Tripoli. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I think we're going to be kind of going, we're going to hit some normies there, some more normie, normie norms. Uh, they're going to discover us. So that'll be fun. And uh, just been really active, uh, you know, getting the word out, getting the word out about um, all the fun things about the magic of this realm and how we can play with it. We'll be talking a lot about that today. I've been putting up a lot of Organite videos and what we're doing, messing around with, with Oregon energy. And of course, Bear and I are planning to make some boomer, big old boomer cannons uh, to Kembust some um, Kembuster, the, the classic Wilhelm Reich cannons. So we will be uh, documenting that. Hopefully, Bear, what, get to that next month even maybe uh, and start building those. So because the time's now, we have to get yeah, those. Absolutely. Yeah, we got to get those uh, in. Mitch, uh, Mitch will be envious of us when he sees ours. <laughs> nice, nice. So we'll document that for y'all. But hey, we're on Be Sovereign and now. We're streaming on Be Sovereign. So go please support us there, besovereign.com. That is Sayer G's platform. Uh, he's really supporting us there, really pushing us as one of the, the bigger channels on there. So uh, that is uh, where we want to focus. Of course, we're on DLive still, but barely. I don't know. DLive's kind of dying. Uh, and we are still on Loosh Tube, uh, Fakebook, and uh, an, an Odyssey. I love Odyssey. That's actually the, really the only decentralized platform we're on right now. Cordal will get there, though. We're getting closer and closer to having Q apps on, and then we can stream purely decentralized, and you can take part in the network um, in a way that's actually much more sovereign than Odyssey, which is using the Bitcoin network, which has a lot of problems and isn't as decentralized as it really could be, and actually is co-opted by fiat and all that stuff. So check out Cordal too, cordal.org. Okay, that's enough housekeeping. Let's get into this. AlphaCast friend Tom Barnett returns to share his recent adventures in the political swampland and on the front lines of weather manipulation in the land of Oz. Tom Barnett is an authentic modern-day warrior, and his straightforward solutions and insightful commentaries are especially welcome as we now witness the attempted imposition of global tyranny. Tom is going to stop by today. He's here with us now to tell us about his foray into the political swampland, because we haven't talked about that since we had you on last, Tom, uh, and give us his perspective on the unusual weather patterns and floods afflicting his Australian homeland. 
We'll compare our own observations of weather manipulation here in the States to discern its contribution to societal chaos and detrimental effects on personal health. Tom is the founder of Global Biodynamics, which has become an impactful voice in the world of education, health, finance, organic farming, conservation, and much more. The art of thinking for oneself is a central theme in his seminars, retreats, and corporate events, where Tom shares his eclectic background as a facilitator in holistic healing, education, business, and athletics. As a holistic health practitioner who studied both conventional and alternative methods, his questioning mind has given him a unique point of balance in several different fields. He has been a political candidate, practiced true law, authored popular books, and has lived homeless and without money. He's also a surfer and a brother uh, that is one of my favorite humans on the planet. Bear Lando, Tom is back. How great is this today? Awesome. Doesn't get any better than this, Tom. Good to see you, buddy. And uh, surfer should be at the top of the list, by the way. That's the, uh, that holds the highest level of esteem in my eyes. But hey, uh, always great to have you here. Uh, you know, I know you've got a lot going on down there, floods, all sorts of natural things happening. But, you know, we have bigger fish to fry up here in the States, uh, you know, Will Smith and the Oscars and all that kind of thing. So um, I guess we'll kind of uh, deviate and talk about some other things down there. So, um, yeah, you know, you're always busy about six different fronts at the same time here. So uh, why don't we... Uh, let you tell us first, you know, what kind of projects you're up to and, 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 uh, you know, new little things. I know you've been busy in politics and then that took some interesting turns. Maybe you could share that with us if, if you care to. And, uh, yeah, then we really like to go deep into the weather wars and, uh, like, uh, Mike said, compare notes. Cause you know, looking at our own windows here, man, they're, they're up to something out there. So uh, thanks for being with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, tell us what you're up to. Yeah, sure. And thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure to come on the show. It's uh, the political thing's interesting because one of the projects that I'm up to at the moment is that we're setting up a community-based council. So we haven't named it yet, but the working title is a wisdom council because people are familiar with what a council is. You can't really call it a wisdom council until there's wisdom in it. And that's decided by the community, but that's the working title. And what it will do is it will hold the city council accountable for their actions and also be a source of support for the community. So people can come to this council and yeah, get support, hold council accountable and uh, uh, you know, really tap into the way things are or should be naturally and have been for a long time, except for in recent times. So when I ran for politics was not that long ago, was for the mayor position of our town. And the reason that I did it, guys, is just because not that I really wanted to, but because the community wanted somebody to step up. There's a lot going on, as we'll discuss. And everyone knew that there was a real importance to have somebody who could see things for what they are and call it for what it is, rather than just another corporate shill just filling the boots, but not really stepping up to be of any use to society. And <laughs> so they took me off the ballot. So the electoral commission that oversees all of the elections in Australia, they took me off uh, and didn't put me back on. So I'm suing them currently and I have a really, really strong case. So um, that's going to lead to certain things, which I can talk about down the track, but um, 
what's really happened with the advent of what we've seen, which is the flooding, people are seeing how little that the governing agencies are actually doing and how much it's the community that's doing everything, which has been a big blessing because people are seeing who the real mayors of the town are, who the real doers are, and uh, who's really providing solutions and helping people to uh, stay afloat, so to speak, no pun intended with the floods. But um, they're also seeing not just that side, but how little the government does. And now that's starting to crack open a few more mainstream minds. And uh, I haven't heard the one you guys did with Sam. I'd be really interested to hear that, but I'm pretty sure this one's not going to be a normies podcast of what we're going to talk about with today's session. So it should be well, fun. And, and to be clear, we did not go normie at all. Like we went normal alpha cast. And so I think we're going to blow some right. normie minds. And yeah, so Sam's great. He was loving it. But no, we want to go deep and we want to go, We you know, there's so much to cover here, Tom, but um. You know, I love the fact what you're talking about when you were running and how you were like, I don't want to do this. I'm doing this because I'm being asked to do this out of service. And that's really what a statesman was supposed to be, wouldn't you say, Bear? Yeah, you know, in the uh, early years of this country, in its formative years, nobody wanted to be a politician. Everybody just wanted to work on their farm and they had to be arm twisted into serving a term. They went off to Congress only a few months out of the year, did their business and went back home and then, you know, reconvene, you know, next year at the same time. And it was considered a part time job. And uh, and then, of course, nobody wanted to be a career politician. Now, what kind of douchebag would want to be? Right. So. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the way it's supposed to be. And uh, of course, uh, America was founded on limited government. So there's really not that moving parts to, you know, to deal with. You have a limited function. You're told what to do by the people, your true employees and lords. And uh, here we are, boy, we're back into a feudal system again. And I know in Australia, it's the same darn thing. Even at the smallest municipality, it's a corporation. And, uh, you know, has nothing to do with the natural uh, government for the people, by the people and all that kind of good stuff. So, uh, yeah, continue on. Well, yeah, even here, this is supposed to be one of the most free thinking places on earth. Mm -hmm. And the people that are all in politics are all ambitious. They're the type of people that should not be there. And then they're not, they're obviously not, they're in it for themselves. And there's even the people that we've known in our community in the past that you would call good people and who said, yeah, I'll get in there and I'll start to try to make some inroads and I'll make changes and I'll you know, break down doors and things. And they get in and they don't do anything. And then this is a common story, by the way. You talk to anyone in the community who's known these people for years and they start to pull them aside. They're like, dude, what's going on? Like, what's going on with this development? And what's going on over here? You said you were going to, like, where's your voice? And it, they just start going, oh, well, you know, there's nothing you can really do. You just got to, it's like, no, what are you doing? And then it turns out and then they start coming clean. They go, well, you know, my kids have got to do this and go to school here and that. And it's like, you've sold out. You've sold out, haven't you? And then they just try to run out their terms so that they can, uh, and these, like no one's done it as far as I'm aware. People get in with good intentions. And, but there, it seems like a lot of people are for sale. And the current yeah. mayor, you know, he's no different. He's uh we helped him get in because there's a, a bunch of real nasty ones that were running in the election that I ran in. And that was one of the reasons that I was asked to run because we had to stop some of these really nasty ones. 
So after I was taken off, we collected what my vote would have been and put it to the lesser of evils. Well, like, let's get this guy in because at least there won't be that guy who, uh, yeah, definitely shouldn't be around. And so we so, got that achieved, but mm-hmm. by no means do we support the guy because he's still just, you know, he's a, he's a corporate shill, as you say. He's not, he's spineless. He'll bow down to the state and take it up the, you know, for some money. And it's just, it's, uh, it's not, it's pathetic. It's not what a mayor should be. A, a mayor should, should stand up for what's right. And what's funny is that if I do get in any way in that space again, uh, I'll actually bring it up to everybody in the community and I'll say, you know, like, you might not agree with me or like me, but don't you want somebody who's willing to be ostracized and hated and whatever for standing up for what they believe is right? Or do you want like a spineless jellyfish who's just going to do what the state's going to say? And, and, and that's kind of where we're at. Like that's what a statesman, as you said, would have been in the past, being willing to do it to stand up for the people and what's right and not, you know, what the, uh, the corporates and the state wants because that's just uh, doesn't save anyone. Yeah. You know, years ago, we discovered a, a process where we could go after a person's bond and uh, impede their ability to be indemnified in the public. And I'm sure Australia is the same where they have to be indemnified, you know, insured uh, in case they do harm in the public, which they're doing all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started going after people's bonds and we actually did it successfully in a few circumstances. Now that technology has become a little bit more widely known here in the States and in the state of Illinois, they actually um, stopped all the, the, the mask mandates and such and the stuff going on in the school by threatening to take people's bonds and it actually worked. You had people running for the hills and starting to behave themselves. So have you guys started doing anything like that down there? Not as much. No, we should. Um, whenever I send people notices that are in the public capacity, I always make it known that they must provide their indemnity insurer information. And if they don't, then that's an offence. So it's it can be used quite... It's usually something that'll be used later in the game, not in the initial stages, because most people ignore that part uh, here. It is slightly different, you know, our systems. Australia is a lot more lawless and uh, <laughs> it's more of a pirate country than the States. So yeah, sim similarities, but it has to be handled somewhat differently as far as I'm aware, unless we just haven't cracked that code probably yet. Yeah, Bonds for the Wind is, uh, I, and I shared this with you, Tom, a few weeks ago. Uh, they're mm-hmm. an organization for the, specifically for the schools here um, with the whole, you know, Vax and uh, the whole jibby jab and and the, the, the mask panty um, or the face panty um, deal. They're going after specifically the insurers and the, um, <clears throat> the bonds for the actual school boards and are having great success. So and and it, it all goes right up. To, it's routes to the Bank of England, and of course, and it goes to like one financial, like eight guys, <laughs> eight guys at the end. That it's pretty wild as we know. So, uh, but they're having great success, guys. Check out Bonds for the Win, and uh, I think it's a uh, it, it's time now to just kind of grab them by the balls and start doing this. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Tom, so where are you now in terms of your community? Are you guys open to going more in the private and just, and, and kind of moving away from, well, and we'll get into what's currently going with the flooding and everything, but 
you know, with what happened with you trying to run for mayor, I know you're suing and stuff, but are, are you still, do you still think there's a political solution there at all? Or is it just time to now start separating, going completely in the private? Yeah, I don't believe there's a solution there and I never did. And that was part of my <laughs> campaign was educating people on that. I never, never believed that for a second. A lot more people are aware over the last couple of years because of what Corona brought through, which was people needing to find themselves more and then finding out about the public and private, finding about what their rights are, finding out that they have an entity that carries their name. And all these things were very, very new to people two years ago, but they're starting to become a lot more aware of it, which is funny because like Bear says, like he was doing this 40 years ago. So it's nothing new, but while people are just easily able to go about their usual distractions of having coffees, going to the movies, getting drunk, going to parties, uh, going to their job, that's not really their work in life to do in the first place. They're always distracted. They don't really care because they've got their benefits and privileges. They go, I got a bank account. I can buy burgers with any time I want. You know, I can buy drinks whenever I want. I can go to my mate's place whenever I want. I can get wasted whenever I want. And so there was never really any need to figure out what their rights were because they didn't even know, they thought they had it. They thought that's what their rights are, not realizing that those are benefits and privileges afforded by the state, which benefits the state. The state's not going to give you anything that does not benefit it. Um, so while people thought that was benefiting them, for me, I mean, I don't partake in that kind of, I don't judge it. People can do what they want, but that kind of lifestyle is not for me because I realized through my gift of getting really sick and losing my health, that that's not going to serve me. So I've been taking a different path. And it doesn't rely on benefits and privileges. It relies on rights and rights come with an inherent responsibility. And uh, that's the benefit of the state world is that you don't really have to take responsibility for anything. You got insurance for anything that you might do wrong. Uh, you got like fake money coming in and out of your bank account and the government's taking some of it. And then you've got, you know, roads to drive on and all that sort of stuff. Those are all benefits and privileges. And, but, but I really, you don't come with a lot of responsibility. Some, yes, but not a lot. So for me, rights come when you, go ahead. No, go ahead, finish. Oh, well, to me, rights come when you take full responsibility for what you create moment to moment, no teat in your mouth. So there's no, there's no teat there to like support you if you fall over. If you fall over, you got to pick yourself up. And as part of that, you're part of a community that will help you rise as well in the private. So yes, to answer your question, short version, Mike, is that uh, more people are becoming aware of that. And yes, that's what creating our own community council is all about, creating solutions, food security, uh, creating educational systems and resources, creating a, a different uh, value-based currencies. Um, I'm really interested in Cordal, actually, uh, which we can, you know, there's a guy here who you'd know who's trying to hook me up with that. I just need my own place that I've, I can have somewhere to live properly and then I can set up a Cordal. So, yeah. But go ahead, Bear. I was going to ask you, um, are you familiar with, uh, here in the States, they call them CAFR, C-A-F-R, Confidential Annual Financial Reports. Have you ever looked into those down under? No. You know what the, have you ever, so, um, a while back, good number of years now, uh, it was discovered by a gentleman by the name of Clint Richardson. By the way, I'd like to get him on here someday. Um, he found that there's two sets of books in every municipality. Uh, surprise, surprise, right? Including the state, you know, federal government. So all of the tax dollars go in there. Then they have a whole insider trading, uh, you know, slush fund where they're just taking the tax money 
making billions and billions and billions. And then every year, you know, all the different localities um, uh, uh, furnish the, uh, not the financial report, but the budget for the year. And the budget, of course, sounds like we only have this amount of money to spend, you know, for, for roads and so forth. But in reality, if you look at the CAFR, and, and I've actually verified this in places where I've lived, uh, the, the real set of books shows that it has nothing to do with the budget and there would be enough to pay the yearly budget like a zillion times over. And this little slush fund, that's not only the bulk of the money that we give them, but also, you know, just uh, exponentially multiplying through their insider trading schemes is, uh, you know, just spread around them and they, they share the spoils of war. So that's yeah. another thing I'd really like to see come more to the forefront. Again, it was uh, publicized a while back and all of a sudden, you know, nobody's ever heard about it again, but it's still going on. And uh, in this day and age where we think that there's there's no money and, and, you know, all this scarcity in reality, even though it's all fake digits, still, uh, you know, they're spending it. We aren't. And uh, I'd like to see a global expose about, you know, the, the two sets of books and start taking our money back. Well, you know, funny you say that because I didn't know it by that term, but I learned through when I was learning through Mark Vitalik that mm -hmm. the our tax dollars don't pay for anything. They don't pay for roads and schools and hospitals and all that. No. That does go into this separate fund. And what every level of government does from federal right down to local council is they all borrow from the IMF every year. So it's like this, it's, it's two separate streams, like you say. And that keeps the country constantly indebted to the master corporation, which owns the corporation known as Australia and the United States of America. And, uh, and that it could all be discharged easily with a bill of exchange, for example. But when in Australia, there was some rich guy that actually offered to bail out the country and he was told by the IMF, he's like, nah, this is our racket. Like, step out of that or you won't be walking the earth anymore. And they were like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so yeah, we've been in this cycle ever since. And I totally agree. It doesn't need to be taken by force or protested against. It just requires putting it out there for people to see. Two sets of books. Um, how do you like that? And people, the people then will just go, actually, this is not what we want. And then that's yeah, the so, end of it, really. So just, it's like here in the States, uh, Australia, we're still the colonies, you know, even though we think we won the Revolutionary War. Go ahead, Mike, sorry. I was just going to say, imagine it actually, and I know a lot of people give certain elements of blockchain a lot of fluff because it should, a lot of flack, excuse me, because it should, because most of it is corporate controlled centralized but imagine having a truly publicly owned um uh you know legitimate uh totally transparent ledger where we saw where the flow was going in and out at which is what it's supposed to be doing that's what currency is supposed to be flowing in and out transparently imagine if we actually had that there is something very powerful about that so um i just want to i i envision that in the future you know it's going to start in a private um, with what we're doing here. And as we show the great success of what we're doing in the private, then we'll be able to then take back some sort of new idea of what a community consensus derived leadership can be, right? Um, whether that is a republic or not, 
I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like, but to have that ability to have a public transparent ledger that we can all see. And I know, mm. Tom, we can talk about a little bit of that, what some organizations are doing in Australia. Well, we have the good organizations, the quote unquote good ones, <clears throat> and you know, and the bad and the ones that are just stealing money for what we'll get into with the with the floods and stuff. But to have that ledger where everyone can just see like, okay, I put the money here and we can track it and we know it's going there. And then on the flip side, you have your private currency too, where you can then have that private and nobody sees what you're doing. I see that as being an amazing technology that can do a lot. So just yep. putting that out I, there. No, I did too. The only thing, cause I like to look at, you know, play devil's advocate and not always assume that everything's going to be rosies and fairies and all that sort of stuff in a, in a land of utopia. And one of the things that is still that I see as at least a potential is that not enough people are yet able or willing to take full responsibility for themselves. And so as these yeah. corporate structures crumble because of the fakery of it all, and we can show it, we can show there's two books, there's this and there's that, and you don't have to do that. But for me, a lot of people, and it was highlighted in the Matrix movie, but a lot of people will still say, I know this is an illusion. I know this isn't the real world, but ignorance is bliss because they want mummy and daddy and they want mummy and daddy because they just haven't dealt with their traumas yet. They haven't become, they haven't got to know themselves enough. I think obviously more and more people exponentially are stepping into that. And yeah. even if it's difficult to begin with and you have to figure it out, you have to break a few eggs before you can, what's that expression? Make an omelet, whatever it is. You know what I mean? If they have to screw it up a bit, they're willing to do that now, which I think is amazing. So I'm definitely seeing this, what people call the great awakening, yep. but I just think that it's not going to go straight to being awesome. I think there's going to be, you know, like oh, I pissed on the floor. I just wet the bed. I just did this. I did that. I don't know how to clean my own clothes. And then eventually through that uh, growing phase will become adults and I had a I had a vision last night in a weird dream that I was dead. Um, which, and my kids were old and they were like a grandpa. And then it was like, finally happening. We, we finally great grandpa's vision is finally happening. It was the weirdest dream. And I was like looking down on it as they're like running on these like beautiful farm kind of cities and everyone's playing in this, not utopia, but like a better vision of what a civilization can be really trippy yeah. dream, but yeah, it's going to take a while. I mean, I don't know if I'll see it in my lifetime. But um, no reason why we don't fight for it. And I would say the pandemic is uh, is literally a symptomology of of what you're talking about. All these baby adults looking towards their mommy and daddy, which are basically an abuse. It's an abusive generational relationship we've had for a long time. And now it's finally the, the reality slapping us in the face, you know, at this point. Well, we. We, we really need a near-death experience to wake up. A lot of people, of course, who have taken the lethal injection uh, are never going to wake up. In fact, they aren't going to last too much longer. Uh, so we have the culling on one hand, and that's okay. If you want out of the simulation, you know, get the heck out because you're just a drag on the rest of us. And, and you know, that isn't a, a mean thing to say. It's just it's a matter of personal choice. Then on the other hand, you know, we're definitely uh, just starting to get the little bit of the, you know, the, the storm clouds over the horizon. We haven't seen anything yet. And I don't look that, at that as doom and gloom at all because it's exactly what we need. If I look back in my lifetime, 
all those events that were the most traumatic while they were happening. I look back now and say, best thing that ever happened with me. It's a thing that really, it was a kick in the ass I needed. I don't want to have to go through that again, but those were the real growth moments. And I think the whole world, especially uh, here in the States, I'd have to say, because I think we've gotten more spoiled and soft than anywhere else. Uh, you know, we're about to have our personal growth movements. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. People are waking up, but uh, the folks that are riding the fence are going to get kicked off real soon here. So uh, let's uh, maybe use that to segue right into weather wars. And, you know, we're talking about money and the manipulation of money. And of course, uh, you know, while supposedly governments are broke and saying, oh, we may not be able to open next Congress and everything, we need more tax money. Uh, still, they have the U.S. Air Force out there, you know, with their uh, bomber squadrons every single day, crisscrossing the skies and, you know, uh, no lack of funding, you know, when they want to cut out the sunlight, the air and everything, you know, just the bare essentials of life. So um, what are you seeing down there? I also wanted to ask you, sorry, I'm just throwing a bunch of stuff out here, um, you know, in light of the whole um you know, the whole scandemic, uh, is that still like really kind of lockdown style in Australia? And then, of course, uh, you know, we'll go into weather wars from there, right? Uh, you know, possibly right after that. So All what's right. happening? Well, the weather, thankfully, washed away COVID for the most part, which has been great. Ah. And uh, <laughs> it's so funny, you know, there was a few interesting elements to this. One is that people kind of forgot about it, which was interesting. Uh, to uh, as soon as the floods came and people were out in the street helping each other, I didn't. I saw maybe a few masks, but barely any compared to how many people in the. I'll get into which towns flooded as well because the biggest flooding was in one of the sleepiest towns, and so mm. what ordinarily was full of masks, barely any masks. Unfortunately, of course, they're all washed into the waterways and now. Dolphins are wearing them, which is you know, that's you know who didn't see that coming, you know, but. Uh, the, um, the element that's really powerful is that I think these people that were the fence sitters could see that the people coming to their aid were the people that they were previously a few days before calling, you know, uh, you know, thinking that they were their enemy. And then, then seeing these people being the first that would come to their aid to help and then no form of, oh, are you vaccinated before you come into my house and help me clean out my devastation? Or are you wearing a mask or stay out one and a half meters away from me? Even the people that bought into that narrative were uh, hugging, uh, welcoming with open arms, uh, not asking people about status of vaccination or anything like that. So it was a very pivotal moment, I think, where the community really came back together after years of separation, not all of us, like, where I am, no one separated ever. We actually came closer together and bonded over the, the scam because we know what's going on. But these people didn't. And so they got to experience, I think, something washed away inside of them as well, whereas like this delirium just lifted. And they're like, oh, this is what it feels like to be in community. Hey, look around. No one's coughing and stuff. No one's dying because they just hugged someone or shook their hand or are wallowing in filth because the sewerage is running through the streets as well. Funnily enough, no one's getting these, uh, these uh, acute respiratory diseases and, and dying on the streets and uh, coughing out lungs and all that. Oh, that's not happening. So it's great because the narrative tends to destroy itself. 
And part of this is natural and a lot of it, as you said, is engineered. So I, uh, I guess that covers the COVID story. Mostly it's gone. Mm-hmm. The news is still kind of trying to continually pump that in the background, but nowhere near as much as there was. So the, ne- the next best big thing, I guess, is the weather. So, um, yeah, where do you want me to start with that? So, I guess you asked so it seems like they've kind of shifted from the pandemic now kind of going to what seems obvious, like global warming scamdemic, right? Yeah. So that's the next kind of thing. But also, I think there's a lot deeper. We know there's a lot deeper stuff going on here. And this, you know, obviously ties into Agenda 2030 and all this, but I think there's a deeper spiritual thing going on here, a war on a much higher plane, of course. But just curious, there was a question here in the chat in terms of the CV. Um, what about other areas that haven't been so hit on other sides? Are they still kind of really pushing it or is it kind of all of the news is pushing the flood fear now i don't watch the news so i don't know i just get this kind of feedback but yeah. generally speaking it's more covering the floods because they have but it's there's still this undercurrent of coronavirus for sure they're still pumping it but they just okay here's the interesting thing let me start here 2019 is when we got the bushfires and california had them too and everyone around the world saw that Australia is on fire. That was international like bur- news. Burning koala bears and stuff, yeah. Yeah, for months. That was, yeah, exactly. You know, very emotive and, and all that kind of thing. And now people don't even know it outside of Australia, that Australia is receiving its worst flooding in like what they're calling centuries, even though I think they don't know anything that happened more than one or 200 years ago, but they're calling it the, the biggest floods like for 500 years. So what's interesting to me is that they went from showing the world that Australia is on fire, rolling straight into coronavirus, and now we've got these floods and Australia's pumping it, but nowhere else is hearing about it. I mean, people are saying, they go, if it wasn't for my channel, they wouldn't even know that there was Australia had floods. And I'm like, well, why is that, right? So you mentioned as well, Mike, that this is paralleling or it's mirroring a deeper or a higher plane of what's going on there. So the reason that I believe that they rush narratives or they have to roll one into another is that they're trying to keep up with what some people might call the sky clock or the turning of ages. And they have to keep up with it because the way they do everything is based on numbers, symbology, uh, the, the history that they know, all of their occult knowledge, which they hide from the rest of society. And they tie everything in with their astrology as well. Like they're just trying to keep up with all of that. And so that's why we see these things working like clockwork. (laughs) But you could set your watch to when narratives change and who's pushing what. And so I think what they're doing, though, is they're really struggling uh, to they're struggling to keep people suppressed as much. And they're also struggling to uh, play out what their plan is and, and what they think they're going to achieve from it. I think that they're kind of like they're not that sure of what they're doing anymore. But for me, what's the important part is why aren't people hearing about the floods? Well, if I look at it from the point of view of me writing the narrative that I want to show people, because I'm willing to put myself in those shoes, I think people go, I could never think what it's like to be a pedophile. I I could never think of what it'd be like to uh, oppress people. And I'm like, I can. (laughs) I can. And I don't think that I used to think that I had an evil element in me. I used to think that the fact that I can think of what it would be like to blow up a building or to uh, herd kids into tunnels, I used to think that a part of me was evil and that's why I can, I can imagine or, or like uh, I can tap into that somehow. 
But then I realized it's actually not because I'm evil. It's because I don't fear evil. I think because I don't fear evil and I'm, I'm very, uh, I, I'm getting to know myself a lot more than I'm willing to, I can occupy that space and not fear it. And I think, I think, I don't know. I'm not saying I know this. I just think that when people say I could never imagine what it would be like to uh, harm somebody, I'm like, maybe you're just afraid of some evil that's in you. Like that part of you must, you must be scared of it and you you'll shut yourself off to it. That's just my thoughts. I don't know that that's true, but when I, I, put I myself- think there's a lot of truth to that. Absolutely. And, and I used okay. to see that in patient work, uh, you know, where people needed to come to some sort of realization in order to improve their biology, but because they just weren't ready to face it. And we see the same thing all the time where we're just talking truth. And of course, you see, you know, folks that will go straight into ridicule or actually get angry at you for speaking the truth. So, no, I think you're right on there. All right, cool. Thanks. Well, basically what I mean by that is that I put myself in their shoes and I go, why would you burn something out, show the uh, devastation, show the families, the koalas, the ecology dying, and then roll straight into coronavirus and almost forget about their whole climate narrative. And then all of a sudden roll out this and then, but not show it to anybody else. So I think if I'm writing that story, why would I do that? And then I would think, well, what's my agenda? My agenda is, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> that Australia is the beta testing ground for the rest of the world because it's such a large landmass, relatively small population, as we've spoken about before, and relatively docile and easy to control. Like uh, they decimated the, uh, the natives' ability to uh, continue their story and their dreaming. They took that away from them. And... Uh, my understanding as well is that white man's been here for a lot longer than the stories that we're told about Captain Cook and the settlement. And he bought three chickens, two spades and five guys and somehow built these obelisk things in 10 years. It's like, I don't think so. So that's just been here for well before our white settlement, as it's called, happened. So this stuff's been playing out for a long time. And Australia has such mineral wealth as well. We have places here that are just... Uh, Byron Bay, this region, is very powerful. You've got Uluru, which is that massive monolith in the middle of the desert. As well. What is that? You know, Even just somebody who can't fathom that life is more than TB and beers will look at Ayers Rock, as it's called, and just go, what is that? You know, and there's that like, stoked- a, yeah, and there's like crystalline structures and stuff they're finding that are running through that and under that. And then yeah. I've even shared you uh, about the tunneling system. And stuff that's like Tartaria Australia is a great channel, y'all. Check them out. Mm. They're uh they're really crushing it. So yeah, you're right on. And of course, yeah. Australia too, for the Western perspective, you guys are like a little ahead of us, right? You're kind of like a season ahead of us in a weird way. So that yeah. makes sense. You're kind of testing that. And so I, I don't want to cut you off, Tom, but I kind of know where you're going here. I think they don't want to yeah. necessarily put this out yet because they don't know what's gonna happen. Exactly. So I think they did the fires. The fires were kind of going, guys, look, the world's in dire circumstances. The world is on fire. Climate change is going to come and claim us all. So that puts that narrative and that fear of everything burning through the the minds, the mind virus across the earth, right? And so then it's corona, which is everywhere. And now it's floods. And I'm going, why aren't they showing that floods are coming everywhere? And what I think is that the fires were the start of really pushing Agenda 21, Agenda 30, where they want to get people off the land. They want to get them into smart cities. They want to get people 
thinking that that's a good idea and that the land's not being taken from them because as docile as Australians can be and super friendly and, and uh, you know, happy-go-lucky, if you piss us off, we're, you're going to know about it, you know. Australians will be pushed a certain amount and then after that it's like convict mentality is uh, we're going to off with your head, son. Like you're not doing that to us anymore. So they have to be a little bit careful. I think they know sort of how far they can push. And what I think they're doing is setting it up so that Australians go, actually, that's a good idea. Maybe it is dangerous to live on the land. Maybe we need cities for safety, you know? So you give away more of your rights voluntarily. And so with the floods, though, it's kind of like, I think they're pushing so hard for the narrative now that they can't let anyone see if it goes bad. So they need to test it on Australia first to see if they can do this next push which I believe is a big push, like bigger than before. Before was planting the seed of doubt, and now they're trying to push. So even before uh, aid work had been done in any of the flood-affected regions, they're already talking about these cities can't be rebuilt. We're going to reclaim the land. We're going to condemn houses, and we're going to set up uh, uh, smart, resilient city networks and that. But this is rolling it out too soon. Like even somebody who's not thinking could just go, shouldn't they have bought aid first and see if we're okay before they start saying we're going to take your house? Like that, that's not making sense even to a mind that hasn't seen this coming for years. So what I think they're doing is they're rushing it and they can't let the rest of the world see because they're like, if we drop the ball on this one, <laughs> everyone's going to know and they're just going to be onto our little scheme. So they have to, um, I think this is a test for them for them, I think it's their test. Can we make this work in the time frame that we've preordained because of the, the astrology? That's what I think they're racing against the clock and mm -hmm. time's running out for them. They need to make this work. And that's why I feel like I've got such a strong sense of purpose here because I know that my work is to make sure that that doesn't happen. And a lot of people around here too. Beautiful. Bear, were you going to show us something there? Oh, I, that's okay. That's my, I have okay. a picture of a, a favorite painting of mine uh, behind my desk here. It's of uh, Aluru and has an Aborigine in the background. And uh, oh, anyway, right. I love that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. Hey, Tom, um, can I ask one question, Bear, with the, with the floods? Because with, yeah. with the fires here, now this is getting a little woo-woo, but um, getting a little Marvel, um, but... Dude, there is some really trippy stuff with the Paradise Fires and stuff where they were seeing the fires actually being kind of manipulated and almost like nanotech where they were able to like direct them and they almost seem like the embers were alive. I don't know if you've seen any of that stuff. I'm just curious as we get into the floods now and we'll get into to some of the evidence and there's a lot of evidence that it's man, it's been, you know, manipulated. Um, but is there any like have you seen anything really weird with how the water was working or how the water was moving or anything like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we had the same, we had the same in 2019 with our fires where people were showing like a lot of evidence of direct energy weapons, for example, with the floods though. Yeah. The way, the way the rain fell was just not some of it just literally just dumped. It fell straight down. No wind, no nothing, no thunder, no lightning, just rain falling straight down. It's a very odd um, I've seen more rain before and not the amount of flooding, which suggests the manipulation of other factors, uh, the manipulation of waterways. So as you alluded to, like there's a lot of underground stuff here. There's a lot of the manipulation of the water. And for me, the water is super important just as an element itself. 
the control factor. So I'll just briefly talk about that and then I'll get into what we've seen is that water, as you guys are aware, carries memory. It can be structured. It carries information. It's something that is utilized in many ways by many people to uh, essentially as a form of control as well, because if you're unaware of stuff and you've just got information coming in, like who knows what's coming in from these LCD screens? Who knows what subliminal messages are put out through radio waves and your, your social media and that? Like if you're unaware, then you don't get to non-consent to it. You're just unaware. So it just by agreement, it's going into you. Water is very similar in the way that they utilize it and the way that it goes under the ground that people don't realize how it follows, how the sky uh, trails can often follow the water trails that are underneath. And uh, people forget that we exert control. I won't call it control as in an egotistical way, but we exert influence on water. And a lot of people aren't necessarily tapping into that just yet, that awareness of it. Uh, we're water bodies. And um, the whole element of law is all about commerce, which is the law of the sea. And everything in that is about currency and about waters and, and water analogies and, and water. Uh, everything's about the water and controlling the water. Controlling us, right? That's their game is to control the waters in many ways. So when we're seeing uh, the weather patterns and this intense low that's literally just sitting over our region and not moving, that's not what a low does. It comes down the coast, comes from north to south down the east coast. It draws in towards the land slightly. Temperature differences all change and then it dissipates and goes out to sea towards New Zealand or Fiji or something like that and dissipates. It's what a low does or a tropical cyclone always. It's been sitting right above us. And even now, people are becoming a lot more aware of watching the skies and looking at some of the radar that you can follow. You can go onto the apps and watch the radar in real time and you can see these beams holding these weather patterns in place. You can see weird stuff that you can't explain unless you've been watching the weather for a while. And uh, couple that with, as you guys talked about, the crisscrossing of the skies and the layer upon layer, like we've seen it, even after the rains, they're seeding on top of the rains. They're really going hard with it. And the bunker fuel operations they do out in the ocean too. Mike Morales covers this every day. I don't know if you've ever watched his stuff, but... Uh, he, he literally covers this every day for years, dude, all the hurricanes of late, like the big one that hit Houston. Um, the, I mean, even some mainstream guys, um, bear, I'm sure I remember his name. Uh, uh, oh shoot. It's on the tip of my tongue. He covers all the earthquakes and stuff during the 2020 fires. Uh, what is his name? Dutch sense. And he's a little more out there. I don't know if you know his channel. He caught live a directed energy weapon like routing right to where fires started. And he was like, oh my God, it's real. It's real. They're really doing it. Well, in, um, in the original experiments with Wilhelm Reich, you know, with the orgone, when he discovered it with what he was doing, uh, he uh, first identified it by visualizing a blue arc. And that was his beginning of understanding how to manipulate the orgone, which we could loosely call the ether. And uh, when uh, you use these Oregon devices, you can create them to uh, create moisture, as we're discovering just with these little, you know, homemade devices. Or adversely, you can create uh, a lack of moisture. That's why in the fires in California, you see trees burning from the inside out. You, you know, you drive through oak forests and everything's drying up. Everything is just being like the moisture sucked out of it. You know, to understand that the whole weather wars too, you know, centuries ago, they understood that 
all of the elements were a continuous energy matter continuum. And, uh, you know, they had different ways of designating them, uh, you know, from the, the volatile elements, the, the fire, the air, the water, and, and uh, you know, the earth. Uh, in contemporaneous terms, it's more um, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, carbon. And when you understand those, those fixed elements or those volatile elements, uh, you know, that precipitate the first stage of uh, energy being precipitated in matter, then it goes into water, water's a transmitting utility, then that is, uh, you know, goes right into carbon on the ground. And in fact, we have, uh, you know, primal water, as Mike was saying, which is generated from carbon. Any good farmer knows that if you want to hold moisture in the ground, you uh, make sure you use elements, uh, amendments that are high in carbon. You know, that's what does it for you. So none of this stuff is a secret, except for most of the people in the world that went to public full systems. And when you understand it's a transmutation cycle and that all they're doing is what the alchemists, you know, centuries ago were doing was learning how to step in at any one cog, you know, in that four plane cycle and manipulate the elements in any way they want. You know, we should be doing that for the benefit of ourselves, you know, to create beauty, to have abundant agriculture and have no scarcity in any part of the planet. But of course, they're just, as usual, taking the truth, inverting it and weaponizing it. But, uh, you know, that's what we're doing here, you know, in, in uh, Alpha Vedic here at the farm and, and through a lot of our educational processes is just trying to get people back into this really basic awareness because it is so basic and it's something that we should be learning in grade school. Mm. Uh, and, and Tom, what I loved about one of your streams of late after the initial floods, and I want to, I want to hear some about that because I know it was gnarly and also the, 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 the public response of the supposed, you know, responders, how pathetic that was, but you were, you were making a great point about how our spirit and how the law works and how not to be in fear because, you know, the weathers was saying that the clouds are coming back, the storm's coming back, impending doom of more floods. And you were making some great um, observations about not to get into fear in that and how there is, yes, there is man-made stuff going on, but we still have a lot of power over that. Uh, and nature herself does as well, and our relationship to nature. Would you mind expanding on that a little bit or in touch on whatever else you want to talk about in terms of the man-made stuff as well? I didn't mean to interrupt you, but okay. Bear and yeah, I are passionate right. about this because this is like, we talk yeah. about this literally every day. <laughs> well, yeah, this is, there's a few really interesting parts to this. One is that there are people that I'm aware of that I they really show what's going on with the weather, but I feel that they're missing a trick. Because I feel that while they're making people aware of what's going on, they don't offer a solution with it. And it's like, it's almost like this fear cycle. And when people see that, they go, oh my God, what? They're using weather as a weapon? And then what happens to them, you know? So for me, what happens is that I think everyone on your channel would be aware of, I mean, obviously through the work you do, but Masara Omoto and everybody that's shown how water is a reactive element. It's a transmutating element. Uh, facility like you just said bear and we're mostly that as well so if we carry like oh my god or fear of what's out there then that affects our waters doesn't it so you've got a certain resonant frequency embedded in the water and if it's disharmonious what good are you to yourself or the world around you if that's what you carry and i feel that while it's an important thing to show people what is going on in the world as in disclosure 
you know, like for a kid, you'd go, oh, there's no monsters, son, everything's great. It's like, you know, so they sleep at night. But as an adult, you can't be that kid that's just, uh, you know, there's a curtain in front of you and you just don't think there's, there's monsters in the world. You've got to be able to look at it so that you can do something about it and be more than it. So for me, what's happening is that too many people are in this state of fear, fight, flight, anger, and trying to fight something. And I know what that does internally because I lived like that for a long time. I don't know what it did to me. Uh, it dried me out. It ruined me. It did a lot of things. So for me, what I was talking about, I guess, Mike, is that um, if I, I can control my waters and I can control them more than they can with anything like that. So if I form a resonant harmonic frequency within myself, knowing what water can do, if you take properly energized structured water and and you even a tiny amount, you put it next to a glass of tap water, it will change the resonant frequency and structure of that water. It will purify it. And if we're really just talking about a water, uh, a water plane here with water bodies, if we purify these elements ourselves, we change this in ourselves. When we're next to something else, we change that water. We can clean the waters around us, whether that's oceans, rivers, other people, uh, whatever it is, food. And so for me, it comes down to that passage from the Bible that says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And what that means to me is while they are weaponizing the weather and many other things, uh, it still doesn't prosper against you if you connect to yourself, the source of your life here. And then by doing that, you become that energized water vessel. And then that in turn, by that but what it affects around you can neutralize that and it can't touch you. So, but it just takes, obviously, for example, you're probably familiar with grander water and there's many other different types. They sell all these little things and it's enough to purify a glass of water, but it won't do a swimming pool. It just doesn't have enough energy to carry over into that amount. So a few people getting around Byron Bay or California or London that's great. Is it enough to affect the waters of the whole town? It's not. Just by laws of nature, it's not. It'll have an effect, but a tipping effect? No. But as more and more people do start to take that sovereignty and to get to know themselves and, and get into that place of no fear about weapons formed against them, then they will neutralize those weapons as more and more people occupy that state of being. So that's that whole element of tying in all the waters and the power that we really have. And to the point, I've got a neighbor, these are friends of mine that funnily enough end up in the same street. Their firstborn is like a special kid. He doesn't speak and he can, he's a handful. Like you have to watch him every moment of the day. Otherwise he's run off somewhere or he's doing something. But what he does is he's doing this every now and then. And he's just like in his own world and he's doing this. And somebody that can see that sort of stuff, they go, he's playing with the elementals. That's what this kid who doesn't know any different to anything else is doing this. And everyone thinks that's a special boy, <laughs> as in what a handful, but they don't realize what he's actually doing. He's not told that he can't see the elementals as Bear was talking about. Like this should be what we're taught when we're three or four years old about the elements, earth, wind, water, fire. And then we've got, the ability that we have to not exert control in the egotistical sense that we learn about, but in the effect that we have when we resonate with an element, a sacred element, and that that is a reflection of what's in us. So what I've been trying to hammer home in the live streams is that 
government only exists because of us. We don't govern ourselves, so there's a government outside. A government is a mind control. It's not necessarily an office with a prime minister or a president. It's anything that controls the mind and the waters within. So the weather can control them, can, is government, or a coronavirus is, or a vaccine is government. It controls the mind. Until we govern ourselves, there will always be a government of some kind. And until we realize that flooded cities and bushfires are not just because there's weapons being formed because of ill intent, it's because of us. That's the expression that's allowed to be out there because of what is expressed from within, where we don't know ourselves. We're not honoring the elements, the earth, wind, water, fire that's within us. And because of that, we see the disharmony outside, but it's coming from the disharmony here. So that's kind of like my whole thing at the moment is not just saying it to other people, but but getting to do it myself because I haven't mastered it by any means. I did a stream last night where I was saying that I did it on Instagram and I'm like, dudes that really get this and can do it, they don't have Instagram. You know, like don't look at me like I'm doing anything fabulous. I'm aware of something that we can do. I'm not saying that I'm doing it. I'm saying my path is currently getting to know myself more deeply so that I can do that. And then once I'm like it at that level, you won't know me. Like I won't be on Instagram, you know, I'll be doing that. That'll be the essence of my living. <laughs> I've, uh, I've had this conversation for a long time with people and that the weather is nothing more than a reflection of ourselves, our own state of consciousness. And then, you know, of course, people say, well, what, what do you mean they're spraying the skies and all that? It's like, well, how is that not a reflection of our consciousness? And, you know, just because they can identify, uh, you know, an intermediary medium that's, you know, they think is causing damage, like, no, that's coming from our consciousness too. But just regular weather patterns, you know, in um, esoteric teachings forever, they would just say that that would manifest in a weather. It's interesting, uh, you know, the child, of course, who's uh, doing all these things in the hand gestures, and not speaking, as you say, uh, it's precisely at the time when we start speaking, because now we're trying to um, use symbols, abstract symbols to uh, view our reality through. And it's at that precise point that we start losing our full spiritual sight. Uh, you know, Goethe and, and Steiner, uh, you know, collaborated in understanding when people started losing their spiritual sight and largely, you know, when we started adapting language as a communication medium and then through that uh, developing a way to revert back to having our spiritual sight and being able to do both at the same time. But yeah, no mistake that that child is not speaking yet and, uh, you know, still in touch with the elementals. Yeah. There's, and there's a reason why indigenous people did rain dances. They work right yeah i mean they work mm -hmm. and so that stuff's all real so yeah that's amazing tom and um so would you mind going into a little bit of how what happened like just i know because as you say a lot of people don't know about this unless they're following you or a couple other people on youtube uh so the original this kind of did this come out of nowhere was this developing and then I'd love to hear a little bit about the actual, because I'm actually, I am a first responder. I'm a volunteer firefighter. So I, I, I'm a bit of a thrill junkie, I guess. That's why I do it, but I'm also doing it for service. But that being said, I'd love to get a little bit in the trenches with you on, on what happened. Okay, so we were keeping an eye on things for a little while. And 
The other interesting element of anything man-made like that is that there's got to be some disclosure. So before we get hit with this massive weather system, the mainstream news channels are telling people that there's going to be a rain bomb land on, you know, the Northern Rivers region. That's right. And we're just going, (laughs) we're going rain bomb. Like I didn't learn about that when I learned about meteorology and uh, geography and stuff when I was studying, like as any surfer does, studies weather, you know. Like, what does the low pressure system do? Which way does it spin? Uh, how far off the coast does it need to be? What temperatures need to be there to make that work? And we're like, rain bomb? <laughs> bomb? Sounds weaponized, doesn't it? Like, what, what kind of language is that? There's so much embedded in the languaging. So we're like, all right, rain bomb. And we're looking at the, the charts and seeing the way this stuff, seeing the signals, the EMFs being fired to keep, to manipulate this set this system. My understanding is also that it's not that these machines create the low pressure systems in the cyclones, for example. My understanding is that they manipulate a natural thing. Like what they're doing with uh, the whole thing with their agendas, they play out, for me, my understanding is that it parallels or it mirrors a natural cycle of things that they don't control. They're just manipulating and inverting that. So that's why they run off of natural cycles and they manipulate natural weather systems to create something that's not natural. Bearing in mind as well that anything made by man is below us. Man creates government. Man's above government, for example. Whereas if we just serve the creator and we tap into that source, well, then we're above all the man-made stuff, which includes the weather mods and all that. So that's just an aside. But uh, with watching it, we could see what was going on and we just knew it was going to come. But it happened twice in a row, as you said, Mike, like we had got this four weeks ago and again, like two days ago, almost to the day, same time at night, three in the morning. Why would they do that? Like where are people mostly at three in the morning? Their defenses are down, they're asleep, they're off, their consciousness is off somewhere else. They're unprepared. It's nighttime. Uh, and so people are waking up to flooding houses and that at four in the morning. Exactly the same happened two days ago. It hit it at night with a king tide. Okay, so the, what that does to the estuaries and waterways is it fills in everything so that there's nowhere else for the water to go. So you can flood somewhere quicker. And I mean, could that be coincidence? Sure. But I mean, if you're writing this narrative yourself, you're going to run it at a king tide so that it's easier to flood at the right time, three in the morning, <laughs> four in the morning. So that's what's happened twice in a row. And we were observing it. Now, the effect of the first flood was amazing. Because immediately the community sprung into action. We raised funds. We hired private helicopter pilots to come and do rescues that the military and the rescue services weren't doing. We performed rescues ourselves. We got aid out to people. We used boats and jet skis and our own resources to even start fixing roads well before anyone else showed up with excavators and shovels and chainsaws, clearing uh, debris, clearing landslides that were devastating. It's uh, it's a phenomenal... uh, It was phenomenal to witness because that really showed this decimation of the spirit, not the land, but the spirit of humanity for years now based on the whole Corona crap. And now it just like lifted. It's like, this is what humans are capable of. And you guys have said, it's no secret. I've said it a million times as well, that I personally don't, didn't see people snapping out of their delirium without a complete disaster to unify people. Because you've seen, we've seen it a lot of times. You see it after 9-11 or, you know, it's all engineered, but you see that 
people come together when there's a need to unite. Prior to that, they're swearing at each other and pump and and punching each other. And then not long after the event that brought them together, they're back to doing that. So that's the, the that's the latent level of consciousness. And then something comes through to unify and it rises. But unless people now operate on that level, you're always going to, the entropy is always going to mean that it comes back down to where it naturally wants to sit like waters, like the floods will come, the waters will rise, but there's a natural level that the waters will want to sit. And our consciousness reflects that. I really think so. That's kind of what we see, but because they keep pushing us, this consciousness is staying up. And uh, there's a lot of autonomy. And as I said before, I feel that freedom comes with full responsibility and people are stepping into that, which is great. There's also a lot of infiltration and a lot of other stuff that starts to come as it will. But overall, it's been fascinating. And I'm like you, Mike, you know, I've been a lifeguard. I've, I like doing rescues. I like being the guy that will just, you know, go up into the hills with a machete and some ropes and help put bridges in for people to be able to walk. Like I like doing that sort of stuff, partly out of service, but partly because, Hey, I just think that's fun. And uh, so, yeah, we've been doing a lot of that. I got to ride in the helicopter with the pilot who was, an. uh, that's an interesting story because the people that had this idea and pulled it together, they rang more than 50 uh, helicopter charter companies. All of them hung up within a minute. They're like, no, we're not going to do that. We can't do it. We won't do it. We don't do those sorts of things. And we're just going, why? Like, what? Why would you? And then we rang this one guy, Carl, who was from two states up, like a three and a half hour drive. Before he's even hung up the phone, he's like, I'm getting in my chopper now. <laughs> he just comes straight down. And he's doing all these rescues. And he's he said, you know, a few places he's hovering above because there's been a call out where there's a lady trapped with a cat and all this sort of stuff. And there's a military chopper that's been circling for about 45 minutes doing nothing. So he's trying to radio them on three different channels. No reply. They're ignoring him. So he just goes to hell with it. And he just swoops in and grabs these people, comes back out before they guys, these guys can do anything, the so-called authorities. And he's like already got them out. And they chase him back to the airfield. They're like, what are you doing? And he thought it was going to be a fight. He gets out of the helicopter going, I think this is on. Because <laughs> <laughs> the police that have followed him back and he, and they're like, what are you doing? He goes, well, you guys weren't doing anything. So I did it. And that's pretty much the, but he's a gun pilot too. I mean, there couldn't have been a better guy. It's funny how these things fall into place. He grew up mustering cattle with a helicopter and that takes real skill. Like you have to know how to come in real close to the ground, get into cattle, come back up, like fly it this way, fly it that way. Stuff that other people can't do. And he's doing some of his rescues on the precipice of somewhere that's like had a landslip and he lands with just the front edge of the skids of the helicopter. That's his landing. The rest of it's not it. And he's just got it sitting there. So the other guys out throwing food out to people and um, other people that are pilots flew with him and they're like, we haven't seen anyone that can fly like this guy. So he's like this rogue renegade cowboy dude that's in a chopper doing rescues. It's like, you couldn't write this stuff. It's just been, um, what a badass. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. So when, when those military guys came out, he, they basically had just squashed it and they were like, it was cool. Or uh, was it just like, basically he was just a better pilot and they were like, okay, props to you or what? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, he was a better pilot and he was willing. They were, look, I don't think that the people, most people on the ground 
representing the military, the police, the rescue services, um, the people trying to do volunteer aid. I don't believe that they're trying not to do good work. I think they want to help, but they're hamstrung by their affiliation with their governing body, which is the military, the police, the SES, the emergency services. And they're kind of, they want to help, but they're told not to. They might not understand why, or they're told a reason that makes sense. Hey, don't go in yet because it's not safe yet. Or don't go in yet because the insurance isn't in place. Or don't, some reason to make them believe they're doing the right thing, even though their heart's saying, I should be in there. Should I be in there helping? Like, why aren't we getting aid out? Why aren't we rescuing these people? Part of them will do that. But like any human being, which is easily programmable, if, we're, if we can rationalize the reason and believe we're doing the right thing, even if our heart's telling us otherwise, well, we can happily do that. Like the people that will, what was that? I think it was Stanford prison experiment where people were happily going to execute somebody or electrify them or something, despite them knowing that's not the right thing to do. They were like, oh yeah, well, obviously this was the right thing, so I'll do it. And human beings can are very easily programmed to do that if they don't think for themselves, you know, and that's a lot of people. So then- yeah, it, it, No, I was just gonna say in that experiment, they had authority figures who were doctors and uh, the same people that would not shock somebody else, but then when the doctor said, no, do it, then they would do it, even though they cry while they were doing it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes. So, so was, um, was emergencies, I would love to be there just listening on the radio and seeing, you know, because usually yeah. you have a, you have a, obviously a, um, you know, a chain of order here, a chain. And so obviously people on the top were giving the order to not go in because usually emergency, there's a protocol. Like I'm here, I do training on this. Like, so yeah. it sounds like they were stopping them from going in. Um, so, I mean, which makes sense. This seems like an entire operation, right? From the, we know how they run these. Um, so did you get to talk to any of them in the emergency service? And also, was there any weird like COVID stuff? Like, were they requiring yeah. people to wear masks and stuff while like coming out? I mean, not masks, but um, there were verified reports of people turning up to an emergency hub to offer assistance. And they're like, where's your vaccination status? They go, well, I'm not vaccinated. That's ridiculous. And they go, well, you can't help. So they were turning away help based on vaccination status in some parts, in some regions. So that definitely happened. I did speak to some SES and military. And that's what I mean. Like they, a lot of them are good people, but they were just hamstrung. And they, when the military turned up, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but people were documenting them getting out of their, all the trucks that they bought in and they just set up like a trailer with some junk in it and take photos and film it and then get back into the truck and drive off. And people are like, what is that? Wow. They're, staging, they're staging photo ops so that the prime minister can use it and make it look like they're doing something, but the military is not doing anything. And then finally they came up into the hills and they're like, man, that was demoralizing being down there, picking up nappies. Like, we're so glad we're here doing some real work. Like we trained for this stuff. We want to help. We want to do some heavy lifting. And eventually they did it. And, they, and you could tell that there was this unspoken thing of like, yeah, we know that was weird and, and like you guys didn't like it, but we, we were just doing what we were told, you know, and they were really happy to help when the chips were down and, and help for real. But um, the interesting part about this as well is that if the military had a roll into our streets a few months ago, we would have been like, why are you here? We don't, you can't be here. What's going on? We'd be knocking on their windows. Why are you here? What are you doing? Who's this? Who's that? Get out. Because we were... 
we know the agendas and we wouldn't let them come and occupy this land. But with the Trojan horse of coming in to help with a flood, way too late, by the way, after the community's already done a lot of the work. Well, now there's hundreds of military vehicles in our street. We've got a main hub in Byron that's like a sports centre. The entire car park that usually houses the full local farmer's market with hundreds of cars and several stalls, that's filled with military vehicles. And so it's a Trojan horse, you know, it's like, here we are. Still at, this <clears throat> still at this time, they're still there? Yeah, yeah, they're all there. All mil military vehicles everywhere um, of varying kinds from like Humvees to Jeeps to like massive all-terrain vehicles, big trucks, um, big equipment. They've got all their stuff in here. So I'm just like, they've used this to get all of this stuff in here now. It's within this region, which before we would be like, There's, you're not having that stuff in here because we know what you guys are uh, here for. And so that's a little bit of, we're keeping an eye on that because they're, they've absolutely got an occupying force on our lands here. And it's really important that people uh, keep an eye on it. And it's really important for people, uh, you know, in America and other places to see what's going on because you can see what's going on here and think, all right, well, is that a possibility here where I am? If something happened, how would we respond? And some valuable lessons have come out, which are, communications they went down almost immediately by design they actually cut the communications because the same cell towers that carry one signal were still beaming out uh, other carrier signals so it wasn't the cell towers that went down the signals were cut so people were unable to really communicate properly now for two years we've been holding community meetings to talk about being self-reliant with communications food security fuel supplies everything but because you can still go surfing and you can still drive around and see your mates, no one really implemented it. Few did, few preppers were ready. Not enough people did. So it shows the need for communications first and foremost, which means things like CB radios that people have charged, ready to go at all times, and ham radio. Ham radio is very effective for communicating and doesn't, uh, it doesn't rely on some of the signals that could drop when there's a blackout or that you know, the signal's turned off for example. So communication is very important. Having some fuel and food supplies so that you're not in a panic, you can sit calmly and just assess before you need to do anything and accept benefits and privileges, which always comes as an exchange of value. What are you giving up in order to get? And so you, and then being aware of what transpired, what was a series of events? And then you can see what happened here as in the authorities, so to speak, do it were very like tiptoeing around the edges, waiting, 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 like vultures waiting almost. And then they come in and then what happens? So we have infiltration groups. There's a group here called Resilient Byron. They're part of Resilience New South Wales and Resilient Lismore, which is the town that was hardest hit. And these people are all part of the climate change, new world order, green new deal, 2021, 2030 agendas. And they're masquerading as the community operations. And they're saying, bring all the donations to us. And they're actually taking credit for stuff that the community did. And people aren't really pulling them up on it. And they're trying to ban people from having a voice as well. They're like, we'll silence you. We're the voice of the community. So they're pretending to be a private community group, but they're part of that agenda. And a lot of people know it, but more people don't know it. So that's... You, people need to be aware of that, that even within the first responders, you're going to have infiltrators in there and you've got to be aware of how that's operating and how to manage it. 
So then by the time it rolls around, if it rolled around to somewhere else, you can be aware ahead of time of what potentially can come. And that's the less, that's why I'm keen to speak to anyone from overseas that wants to know what's going on, because there's a lot of valuable lessons uh, to be learned from what we're experiencing. A few months ago, I was brought in, uh, I, I went to a couple of meetings, just sat in, didn't say anything. The Voices for Choices uh, down in Australia there, has that gone anywhere? Not really, because when the chips are down, a lot of those celebrities don't really want to share the videos that we do because they're yeah. like, well, you know, I support it morally, but I'm not going to share yeah. it because I'll lose a sponsor or they'll, they'll shadow ban yeah. me on Instagram or something. So, I mean, yes, it is sort of going somewhere. It's just heartening to know that that number of people in those industries that you assume are switched off are actually switched on. And then that can, that in itself, that knowledge itself can help to activate the common man on the street because they're like, there's more people out there than I think. And so it plays a role in that respect. But as far as it kind of making inroads into the narrative, not so much because, yeah, not yeah. so much. You know, uh, just another comment, uh, because I come from another generation, you know, before I did the whole doctor thing, I was a full-time professional firefighter paramedic and, um, you know, lived it full-time and, you know, we had the real professional training and, and, and the whole thing. And from my observation, our training, and I see that across all the services, uh, fire, police, military, it was much different back then. It was much less bureaucratic. And if there was something, you know, like, for instance, if you were at a scene of an emergency and somebody's holding you back at all, you just say, you know, F you and you go in and do your job. You know, it wasn't as much of, um, of an authority thing. We were all just trained to be a little bit more autonomous. And, and I know it, I just really think there's something to that because it, people operate different now. Uh, you know, especially in our military here in the States, do you, do you think there's anything to that in Australia there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people, mm -hmm. people these days are so indoctrinated into that bureaucracy that they'll literally stand back watching someone have a heart attack and go, oh, I'm not allowed to help. I don't have a license mm -hmm. to put my hands on you. It's like, what kind of thinking possibly yeah. can lead to that, right? Where you just won't get involved in something because you, you're told you're not allowed to. Who's not allowed to do stuff? Kids, you're not allowed to yeah. watch TV. You're not allowed to leave that part of the house. You're not allowed, you're not allowed. A kid takes orders and they're allowed to do stuff. An adult doesn't do, adult acts from knowing, from, from uh, responding. That's what an adult does. It's just, it's this kid mentality that's just, that's what they're beating people down to, is to just yeah. fear repercussions of some kind. It's just, but, and yeah, anyway, that veil's lifting, hopefully. Like, that's a big spell. Like, I know you guys listen to, uh, well, Mike, you listen to Owen as well, Owen Benjamin, and he talks a lot about uh, breaking spells. And it's a big thing. It's a, real, it's a real big thing. And I think a comedian has a big role to do that because I was talking about this with him when I was on his stream last, that he can talk about stuff that we don't necessarily get away with because uh -huh. he's a comedian and he has comedic license to speak about certain things a certain way and use certain words that, I'm not going to use on this kind of a stream. People will be like, what did those guys say? You can't say that. But a comedian can. So like he's got his his role as a spell breaker and he's really good at it. And we all yep. do too in our own ways that that other people connect with in other ways. And I think it's really important because that's a spell. You know, we're in this childlike state constantly. That's a spell. Yeah. You can't say that on AlphaCast. And then like the green slime falls on me. Sorry, old Nickelodeon reference. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, and even the comedians have gotten reined in. Oh, you think? You think, bro? Like comedians are basically almost a, a dead deal right now. There's very few that are actually doing anything. Hey, speaking of uh, communication, I had a, an amazing chat with actually your friend Bear Michael Petrano, who's doing an, uh, the Liberty Horizons uh, actually in private. Um, it's all about working in the private solutions conference in San Diego next month. I'll be at, but so I have one of these Kenwoods here because I, as a volunteer firefighter, we get these and they work off the repeaters. He's actually was working on building a private communication system uh, group going across the entire United States, bouncing off these. Cause we can actually use these towers. Like we can use them. Um, and so we're, we're considering bear. I didn't even talk to you about this yet, developing our own club here in, in our, up here in Jefferson state of Jefferson for a redundant system. Um, and this is also, yeah. you know, same as like working on ham radio and we have people in our community now that are getting their ham radio license. So even though, I don't even know if you have to get the license, that's a whole other ball of wax, but we're, I'm yeah. really into this us, right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I call it uh, developing a system that basically bounce off the AM bandwidth. And, uh, you know, a few months back, I told you about it, Mike, uh, we're going to have him on. And then he, uh, you know, he's going to talk about the whole radio communication because we take it pretty seriously, you know, too here, Tom. And uh, he's now kind of gone off into a, you know, more deeper into the legal law stuff and, and putting on summits and things. And and I, I know friends of his as well. And we're trying to you know, maybe get them back, uh, you know, into developing the radio uh, frequency because that is so, so important. So we're, uh, maybe we'll have them back on and just have them talk just about that. And we're even working on low bandwidth um, mesh using ham for cordal. It won't be able to allow it to do everything, but it will allow us to get more resilient and sovereign and get off the ISP. So we are working and developing on that kind of stuff with cordal because cordal really is trying to be a decentralized infrastructure for communication, for all things that the internet's currently doing. So if we can have that working, Tom, you don't have to have a home. You can literally have a, a, a small unit here, a Cortector on a, on a uh, solar panel, that's powering it, working with the receiver, working off long as you're close enough to the, uh, the towers or to these like bandwidth ham bandwidth, you know, uh, towers. So anyways, um, and it's a lot healthier, of course, than like 6G or whatever's coming. So, um, you know, so anyways, bro, I love that. I love that, you know, it's in these great times of peril, the solutions come pouring out of the waters, right? Um, it's really amazing. So, you come around now. You've had round two. What happened with round two this week? Well, we were a lot more prepared, obviously, based on what happened before. Uh, I did. I think I put in a live stream. I can't remember. But I brought up this principle of psychological warfare that you learn when you're in sport or, or business or anything else, right? So the principle is this. You've got an opponent. And, oh, hang on. My computer's not plugged in. Give us a sec. No worries. <laughs> no, uh, a funny comment, Mark uh, Wenham on here, who's a total regular in our chat, is will the redundant system club be anything like the Mickey Mouse Club? Inquiring minds want to know. And I said, yes, Mark, but without the pedos. So, um, but yeah, Dude, no. Uh, yeah, Disney's I mean. Disney's really showing their colors lately, man. They're really getting called out. Oh, man. But yeah, no, how fun is that? Let's create our own clubs. Let's develop our own communication across this great 
I mean, across the country and then, I mean, figure out ways to get across the pond too, but uh, go, go ahead, Tom, though. That was a lucky one, you know, because when I get that low battery signal, I've got like 20 seconds to get it plugged in before it'll just die on me. So I was like, I was in the zone then. I was like, where's the plug? Where's, but uh, yeah. So, so with, you've gotten quick. Yeah. yeah. With the, um, with the opponent thing, it's like, if you really want to break somebody, you want to break their will, you don't just like stay ahead of them. Because what happens is if you just constantly, you're like constantly kind of beating them, for a lot of people, that'll invoke what I call an underdog uh, syndrome, where the underdog eventually, like, you know, how people can be 50, 100 points down at half time. And they're like, no, nah, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. And they just bang and they come and win the game. Right. But the way you can decimate somebody is to uh, bring them down and then let them come up and let them come up. And they're like, oh, we're winning. Oh, we're winning. Oh, we're winning. And then when you go and you trounce them, they just go, and they, their, their will is gone for a lot of people. I'm generalizing. But so when you flood a place and then you see the community spirit, we're rebuilding, we're doing this ourselves, we can find a new way. And then it comes again. Like that's, that's, uh, that's pretty demoralizing for people. Uh, thankfully, though, the spirits remain high. And, and that's really good to see because a lot of us have just been kind of passing on the message. It's like, it doesn't matter. You've just got to have a foregone conclusion in mind, chosen the end result, and then not having an attachment to how many times around the bush you got to go to. It's just that's happening no matter what. Like you said earlier, Mike, it's like it might not even be in this lifetime. And that's getting out of the childlike mentality because some people around here too, they get a little bit too like, I need credit for the stuff that was done. I need people to know that, I came up with that, that idea and I'm like, well, that's not the right way to go about it because you'll eventually run out of energy doing anything, but you've got to be willing to do that so that others can come back over what you've done to then move it forward and, and not need the credit, not need your name on that thing that gets out. Let the other people put their name on it. You know, if you want credit for something, that's a childlike thing. So even with this, it's like, it doesn't matter how many times you have to shovel a mud, just keep shoveling, just keep shoveling. Eventually you'll get tired and not want to do it anymore, but you'll have paved the way for others to come over and keep shoveling, keep shoveling, and they'll get tired and then more will come in and eventually the job will get done. And it's to have that mentality of, I only need to be of service now. Am I doing what I can and doing the right thing now? And if you are, you're, the, the things will, will fall into place. You know? You're setting that tone, you're putting that frequency out. But the moment you're like, this is a losing battle. Uh, there's no point in me doing this. No one will ever know that I did it. Who's going to pat me on the back if nobody knows that I was the one that shoveled that mud because now there's more mud. All that work I did has gone to waste. And it's like, no, it hasn't. <laughs> no, it that's hasn't. What, that's what the Oscars teach us. The Oscars teach us that we should, you know, to be recognized for... <laughs> for all you know our our great art and that's part of the psyop right and yeah. I, matt belair we were uh, bear you were just texting him or messaging him right before we started the stream he says something amazing in every one of his stream in his shows do at least three kind acts a day for somebody and don't tell anyone about it and that's mm -hmm. just this little thing and that's so true i mean and there is an akashic record keeping track of all this so if you really need to know like it's being recorded you might not it might not be on instagram but it's yeah. on, uh, it's somewhere. It is being recorded, y'all. Um, but yeah, that's, right on, right on. That's man. the flip, you know, that, that's the inversion is that it is being recorded. But like the, 
So the hierarchy in law, for example, it's just a construct. It's just to be able to illustrate it is that you've got the creator, creator creates man. What you create, you own. And you're supposed to, we can't serve two masters. You can only serve one. So man's never supposed to worship earthly kings or form government. And as soon as we did that and we start worshiping celebrities and uh, earth and making kings and giving them riches, then by default, you can't serve the creator anymore. So you've cut yourself off from your source connection. So then likewise, what you just said there, Mike, it's really interesting because a lot of people, they want the validation from someone around them. And so therefore, they're actually dishonoring the, the element where that is like every blade of grass has heard everything you've ever said and knows everything that you've ever done. But you don't know that. So you assume that nobody's given you attention or validation or, or anything. So you go looking for it on, if I can get another thousand followers on Instagram this week and another 20 likes, then I'm doing well. But because you're focusing on that, you're actually cutting yourself off from where it's where it counts, where it's really known. And that that's that. Like I wrote in my uh, ebook, I put a bit in the back, and I said, um, I said, uh, whoever climbs a mountain in order to like vlog it and and talk about it and all that, um, it's like they they miss the the power of doing that. But if you climb a mountain and tell no one, then you'll be able to move mountains within. Because it's almost like you have this experience in you that should be able to be recognized. You shouldn't have to say it. I climbed a mountain and it did this and then that happened. If you've had the experience and you've gone to the depth, people will feel it in you like a mile off. They'll be like, well, there's something about that guy, you know, like he's powerful or I feel calm around him or something. But if you've got to blab about it, then the experience wasn't really internalized and you've lost it. It's like light that you hold within you. And as soon as you, or like something valuable, as soon as you, open it up to everyone, it scatters out and it's no, no longer a value. So it's a real thing that a real lesson. And I've had to learn it. I was one of those guys that wanted, wanted everyone to know what I did. So I got felt good about it. And then after a while, as I was growing up, I realized I'm like, no, I only have to please myself. Like I ask myself, am I pleased with what I did today? Did I really do what I could to be of service today? Um, and then if I can hold, if I can sleep at night because of what I did, I don't need other people to know. And that's a very freeing thing as well. That's uh, I'm just sharing my experiences because maybe someone might relate. I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but for me, when I asked myself that question, I stopped looking for validation in little ways because we all have these shadow things based on traumas that uh, we don't tend to get to heal until we can start to look at traits like that where uh, you will do too much work. You will do too many things. And it's not necessarily because you... Well, anyway, we can get into traumas as a long story, but the whole, the element of it that's important is realizing that if you can please yourself, which is different from just being super selfish, as in all I did today was eat pizza and watch movies and I'm glad I did it. It's a, it's a very subtle Because well, we know that's a, not a, that's a disservice to yourself. Yeah, it's a, exactly. So there's distracting. Bottom line. Go, Go ahead. ahead ben. No, you finish, please. Well, I was just going to say that the it's a uh, it, there's a lot of inversions in all of that exactly. So it's it's in the service to others, and the big part about these floods is that it's showing people or allowing people to find value. They know that by helping somebody else who couldn't get food or something, they feel so good about that, and they've found a place for themselves. They've been of service and provided real value, not like the fake value that this system almost entirely depends upon. 
And, uh, you know, it all boils down by being separated from nature because you get people that live in the country, that farm, that, uh, you know, aren't in urban centers are just naturally um, not as involved with all the things we're talking about. Isn't it curious that all the, the celebrity consciousness and the folks that are up on all the technologies and Instagram and networking, you know, it's all basically urban uh, you know, I, I lived in, um, well, we've always lived uh, kind of off grid and out in the boonies. And so we've just never been uh, really understanding what's relevant in the, uh, you know, urban environment. We lived in Fiji, you know, we'd, uh, you know, be on these outer islands in Fiji surfing and they, they had no idea who the president of the United States was. <laughs> they had, you know, no care in the world. And when it came to a community and, and still up in places where we live now, if there's something that needs to be done that's affecting the whole community, you just get up, roll up your sleeves and do it. You aren't waiting for somebody else uh, to do it. Um, you, you, um, you, our kids were, you know, in college years were, um, you know, down in Southern California there. And Mike, you'll remember that uh, one of my kids, you know, dated a, a few celebrity types and everything. And, I remember we'd go down there and go out to dinner and there'd be somebody famous at the table and, uh, you know, he'd introduce us and and we'd say something like, oh, so uh, what do you do, you know, and they're like, uh, dad, this is so and so they they have their own movies in it. So anyway, it's, it's very freeing to be the point I'm making get uh, to be cut off from all of this uh, kind of nonsense and really be grounded in with what matters. And, uh, you know, you're, you're so correct with your analogies of just a blade of grass, because when you are out in nature, everything is in perfect perspective. And it's not just about me. It's your, you know, you're tuned in. There's a, just a continuum that you're aware of. And it's a marvelous thing. And it's a sad thing that, you know, people are cut off from that, but I think we're getting back to that. And this is what all these experiences are for. Mm -hmm. Yep. Especially when people, like experience nature to that degree because if you don't get out and experience nature enough nature will come to you and it'll come through your door <laughs> so yeah it's like the floods honestly it's like yes it was devastating but there's a there's a an unfathomable uh humbling experience from going so lismore is the name of the town that got hardest hit it's about 45 minutes west of the ocean from byron bay it's one of the first towns settled because it's on a river and the rivers were obviously used for trade to bring supplies and food. So they settled a big town out there called Lismore. Now, if you look at Lismore, there's a lot of churches there. If you look at the lineage of mayors, which I only looked at yesterday, the mayor of the town, not mayors in a horse. And, and uh, you look at the photos of them, they're in the, the most amount of Freemason garb I've ever seen these big tassel jewel things with the, and I'm like, What's going? I mean, I already knew that, but I never seen the pictures until I started researching the uh, political aspect of Lismore, which I did yesterday, so I can notice them. But um, it's been known by me and people in our circles for a long time that Lismore is the pedophile central of this area. There's a lot of underground stuff that goes on there, a lot of child trafficking. The cops run a ring around it that's very protective of the area. It's a bad place. People who are sensitive to things they don't feel good going to lismore there's certain towns you go to that it's like the energy of the place isn't right and it's for good reason that's one of them waters as far as my understanding go are there to cleanse 
And so sometimes where there is this natural element, the waters are there to cleanse what man is not doing. Like I said earlier, and I totally agree, Bear, we bring the weather, I think. And so if we're not doing it because we're not cleansing ourselves, well, then the waters will come to do it for us. What that means is when good people know of evil and don't do anything about it, well, then we're allowing that, we're, we're involved in it almost, and it has to be washed away at some point. If we don't clean it up and we don't knock on doors and go, guys, this isn't acceptable in this town. If we don't set up community safety networks, if we don't set up awareness campaigns, if we don't do it, nature will. And if we don't revere nature and respect the elements, the waters, well, then they'll come through your door and just go, hello, you know, you ignore me, I'm going to show you who I am. And that's what I believe went on. But, you know, Mm. you go into the streets that I've been through a lot because I go through there to go to other places. There's washing machines and fridges in power lines five meters in the air. There's caravans on top of roofs. There's just, you, I mean, you know, being in the ocean, you know, bear, like you get a feel for the water. You, you can, you, you do diving You in big waves, you get a feel for it. But to see that, like, I couldn't, you can't wow. kind of imagine it until you see it. You're like that amount of water. And, That's like know, 2004 tsunami style, you know, that hit hmm. Thailand and stuff. How, how many deaths were there? Or have there been, uh, you know? That's an interesting thing. So how many people genuinely died of COVID? Zero. How many people did the media say died of COVID? I don't know, 4,282, like put in a random number on Google. It'll tell you that that many people died of COVID. And then they said, I think four people died. But amongst the community, we're like, there's probably over 400 unaccounted for people. So they're lying about the amount of people that went missing. Dude, this is like Paradise 2.0, bro. But, you know, it's 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 like the Santa Rosa fires. Even a few years before the Paradise fire, there's still people unaccounted for, uh, you know, and how many thousands of homes burned down? Where did all those people go? It's just all these uh, unsolved mysteries to this day, years later, uh, just all suppressed. Are they with paradise? One of the tragic things is they weren't letting people come back on their property because it was too dangerous and all this. Are they doing the same nonsense there? Exactly. So what I've done is I made a point. We're putting out a circular. We're paying, we're funding this amongst the community. We've raised $20,000, I think, for this particular project, which is to put together a booklet that looks like a government booklet, not uh, personating a government, just looks same font, same photo style. So it looks official with all the information about what's going on and how to handle it when somebody comes to your door. And I've done some videos on it for people, which is that you don't have to let anyone onto your property without your consent and how to handle somebody, how to handle the offer of someone coming to your door who represents a corporation who is going to say, we want to come and do an assessment for you. Right. So what they're implying is that they only have the authority to be able to assess what's safe and not safe what's healthy and what's not healthy. And who needs that? A kid. You need your parent to come in and go, oh, actually, this is filthy. That stuff's bad for you. You can't go here. You need to clean your room. You need to get out of your room till it's clean. And you'll go, okay, mommy, daddy, because I trust you. You look after my health and my best interests. We're not children. So when somebody comes to your door and says, we're going to perform an assessment because it may be unsafe for you to live here, you can just say, well, thanks for the offer. I appreciate your concern. However, I believe I'm more than capable of assessing my own health and safety in my living environment. Your services aren't needed. Thanks for your time. See you later. And just get them out. That's all you need to do because it's only an offer. They represent a corporation 
Even the local council, the health services, they all carry business numbers. Therefore, they represent a corporation. It's no different from a plumber turning up and saying, hey, I'd like to do your pipes. I'm $80 an hour. Do you want me to do the job? Yes or no? You get to choose. No plumber can come under their business and say, I'm doing your pipes. Get out of the house while I do it. By the way, you'll owe me $8,000. That doesn't happen. And the same thing when the government or some health agency authority comes to your door, they're coming there for you to accept the offer that they will assess it to be unlivable. And therefore you grant them the right to go, well, we'll compulsorily acquire this home or condemn it or compulsorily acquire this land. And then that'll be the States. That's the whole thing. The fires with the waters, everything. They're trying to take the land. Because as the World Economic Forum tagline goes, they disclose to everybody, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Who needs to be told when they're happy? Kids, you know, you'll own nothing. Who says that? You know? And um, historically consistent, uh, right before any reign of terror, uh, as true in Australia, they, a few years ago, took away the guns, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're an unarmed country, man. Like that's why it's they have to try to do it here first because try doing this in like Texas where everyone owns 17 AR-15s and 20 shotguns. Like no one's going to come trying to do that. Uh, and they're probably trying, they don't, they're also not putting this out in the news because a lot of their dark spells come from the news. It come from other people across the world seeing it and that consciousness coming in. So they, you're right. They're trying to keep it really controlled. And I'm sure they're curious also to see how much mind control they can use yeah. in the system with all the jibby jab folks, you know, mm -hmm. and I bet they're looking at that because they've also probably seeing your area as a, as a not very jabbed area. So, right. Cause Byron's pretty like, you know, consistent yeah. with like up here, like people just aren't buying into it. So yeah, you're right. They're, they're testing. This is all testing and seeing what they can get away with, but nature, but it's not that simple because we also have mother nature coming in and, and she's like, you want to push me around? Well, I'm going to take this opportunity to cleanse these mofo ped pedos out of here. Mm -hmm. And um, it's fascinating. And the elements are one thing I think that is always so empowering to me is the elements are alive. There's a consciousness behind the elements. Bear talks about this all the time in terms of understanding like real science and and really what we understand with like when he's doing his spagyrics and stuff. There is a consciousness behind these elements and with the cleansing of the water, fire is also cleansing. And it came through and it, it, it really cleansed probably a lot of dirtiness up here out because we have Silicon Valley and we've got all this yeah. stuff going on in the forest here you don't want to know about. But that being said, a little story I'll tell real quick. When I was on Slater Fire, which we got evacuated 2019 in those fires, and it was scary. It was creepy. Like our whole town went dark, pitch black in the, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Couldn't see anything. Bats were flying around. It was like because the smoke was completely covering the sky. It was apocalyptic. And then we got uh, called to as a volunteer firefighter. There was no support. It was just us. It was us against a, a massive forest fire coming towards our town. So I was up on the first night and a rig with my buddy um, who is actually Native American, a half Native American. And I went into I was talking to our whole community saying, hey, the fire spirit is coming. The fire elemental is coming towards us and we need to talk to it. And so I went into like a meditation and like kind of left my had my consciousness leave my body and go over the fire. It was about 10 miles north of us. And we were actually staying at this uh, this 150 year old or 125 year old. Um, a hotel that was a historic landmark that we were going to protect. Anyways, I go and I interact with the fire and I say, no, 
I'm pushing you back. We don't want you here. It was an offer in that way. And I, and I basically said, no, we are not interested in, in what you're coming to bring us here. And within an hour, hour and a half, oh, and then I, so I was meditating, I was in my turnouts meditating in the, in the rig. And my guy next to me is like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm gonna meditate, leave my body and go talk to the fire. He's like, oh, that's cool, bro. Cause he's like half native American. So he was like, yeah, oh, right. cool, man, cool, man. Yeah. So within an hour and a half, two hours, miraculously, well, I say they, everyone in town said miraculously, the wind shifted and we went to an Eastern. And so, uh, excuse me, we went to a Westerly. So it was Easterns blowing the fire right at us. Then we shifted. It was not on the weather forecast or what, whatnot. And within two or three hours later, we were, we were in the clear. And now another town was in trouble. So that's my little weird story about how mm. like the power of the elements is deeply connected with us. And as you say, everything's an offer, even with the weather. Yeah, I've had very and similar stuff. Go ahead, Ben. I was just going to say my last comment is uh, Mother Nature bats last. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just going to share, like I had a very similar experience recently a lot, actually. And the way that I've come to see it is that uh, the elements, God and us are the same thing. If we're connected, then everything's fine. But then you've got the deceiver and the deceiver preys on fear. So when something comes up as an offer and you fear it, the deceiver gets you and you're disconnected from your source. You're not able to influence the elements. But when you maintain that connection, you, you do. And it's almost God has so much more power. God meaning creator, natural life force, whatever you want to see that as, uh, has so much more power, which is what we are. That's We are that power. But we lose it when we're deceived and we fall under the spell and we give that power away willingly as an offer as an exchange here's the offer yep you can take my power and then they utilize that to influence things like weather as well and, and use the weapons that form against us so just quickly i've been doing a lot of stuff myself as well with uh ceremonies that have been doing for myself and I'll, like i'll tell you the things that have happened it sounds like you I, i'm tripping but we did a couple and i invited other people to join at the same time we were supposed to have the heaviest day of rain three days ago. Uh, we woke up, it was a little bit blowy, a bit rainy, and then the sun came out, blue skies for the rest of the day. Then two days ago, I did a ceremony pre-dawn at Cape Byron. It's a very powerful spot. First place the light touches, uh, lots of mineral wealth and that under the ground, very special place. And I did my thing, looked up, and there's, you know how cloud busters work and there's like, it clears a ring, and then there's no cloud in that spot. I looked up and I kid you not, it was not totally clear, but you could see blue hue through it. And this is pre-dawn, like the sun's just supposed to be coming up. Later in the day, I did the same thing. And then the wind completely dropped. Birds started, you could hear the birds, you could hear the insects and another one at night. And it's too many things in a row that, that it can't be just like, I just chose the right time to. And I'm also not saying that I did it. Because I don't even know if other people have experienced the same phenomena. Uh, because I just think I'm meant to see it. And by seeing it, it means that I know that I'm shifting these elements in myself. And therefore, I'm seeing it out there. Uh, maybe others could see it or not. I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me. But I just thought I'd share that because I think it's so important to know that we can have that kind of, um, we do have that power. There's a couple of other things I've been using. One's One's this tensor ring, which bear you'd be familiar with that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's a mm -hmm. yeah, it's a tensor ring. And then this baby, have a look at this. 
Looks like an alien. Oh, love that. And that's got Did a 15 hertz pulse that goes through it. And it's got 13 of these, which is this ball thing. Uh, that's one of these or a few of these that are um, rolled over each other and flattened. Apparently when you hammer it, it uh, makes it even more energetically strong. Uh, but then this- Is that, thing, so is this, that uh, like organite dreadlocks? What is that? Yeah, it's actually copper, <laughs> but there's an organite rock that goes in it and you run a 15, amp looks, current, a 15 hertz current through it. And this changes a lot. Yeah, I, we have these power wands here where we run different frequencies through. Yeah. And uh, this is an organite rod. And it has literally a, a, a cable, an audio cable we run into it. And we play with different frequencies to create rain yeah. clouds and break up. This stuff's real, y'all. It is very. But the, here's the part that I've really only, I haven't shared quite yet, is that this, as powerful as it is, I know that that exists in me somewhere, you know? Yeah. And it's like yeah. all the stuff that people wear all these Tesla pendants all over them when they go into town. I don't wear anything like that because I know that I am my source of protection. My electromagnetism comes from within me, not from something that I wear on me. Yeah, they help, but I think that they help to the degree that you haven't found that in yourself yet. So while I am using these because other people are using them and I want to help them uh, keep their network strong in that, I know that that's in me. And by me activating and finding and activating this within me, then with because imagine how you'll feel if you carry this to the cliff edge to do your thing and you're like, whoop, whoop. oh no, I can't affect the weather now. Yeah, what's that going to do to your internal elements? So for me, like that's in me. Uh, I'm using it because I think they're powerful, but I'm trained, They're training like, wheels, training wheels. Yeah, they're training wheels. Exactly, yeah. Because that's us. Like that's, that's all in here and, and we absolutely have that ability. And first, I think one of the main things is for people who don't get that yet is to hear people like us talk about it and and they could go they could think we're crazy but we know our experiences and no one's going to waver that like when yeah. you've experienced that yourself no one can take that away from you and it doesn't matter how many times or in different ways they go mike come on mate you can't make fire change direction you don't influence the wind buddy and that doesn't influence you your winds don't change because they tried to blow the wind out of your sails you've set your own sails and it can't be changed right so then they feel that too. By them trying to go, Mike, come on, admit it. You didn't, you didn't change the wind direction. And you're like, you can't change my weather. It's set. And so after a while, their weather gets affected too because they're like, dude, he's, I don't know. He just can't, seems to know. He's, and then they start to then go, well, maybe he, maybe, I don't know, perhaps. And then they start to play with the idea, the idea that they have that power within them. And that's all it needs to be for things to start changing because at the moment for a lot of people, the, the mind virus is very real. And so that spell is broken simply by the possibility that they could have power. Maybe that stuff I've seen on the movies, maybe that's just them showing us what we're capable of, but keeping us separated from it because it's on the screen and not within us. Maybe we can influence the weather. Maybe we do have all these elements in us. Maybe if we connect to it, we can do all these things like teleport or, or change form or whatever. All the things we're shown, maybe that's us, you know, maybe. And if it's only, if, if it just gets to the point where it's a, instead of it being, nah, nah, that's not how it is to, oh, is it? As soon as you get to that point, it's like the spell's done and you can start to recreate. And, and why not? Because it's way more fun. Yeah. 
it's way more fun doing living like this than like watching CNN and, um, you know, being on Instagram and TikTok all day and watching the Oscars and caring about who won the Super Bowl. You know, it's just, yeah, man, I'm with you, bro. Like Bear and I talk about it. The greatest technology is inside us. It's us. So, um, yeah, dude, this has been an amazing and, talk, dude. Go yeah. ahead, Bear. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, uh, can't come external unless it's already internal. There's nothing new under the sun. Can't be done. So, uh, Tom, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, always great to hear your insights and uh, everything that you're up to. Let's uh, absolutely stay connected. I'd like to have a private conversation with you here pretty soon and run some things by you. And, uh, yeah, just always amazing to to connect. Thanks for making the time for us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. Hey, and if you guys like this, go check and you're and you're just discovering Tom or um, you know, want to find out more, go check out Tom. Uh he's on YouTube, he's on Facebook. Uh he, I guess he's still on Instagram. Um, but he does he, you're doing streams almost every day, man, and they're so deep and insightful and uplifting and um just really appreciate you brother so please guys go follow tom and where else tom what you're doing um you're doing a couple other projects want to share those real quick with the community well everything basically just goes through my channel so instagram and uh telegram uh tombarnett.tv which is also the name of my website facebook and youtube just my name tom barnett uh, everything goes through there awesome brother yeah go so go to his website support tom and uh we love you all Thanks for showing up on a different uh, normal than our normal streaming time. Uh, you know, help us with the algos. Give us a thumbs up. This info is powerful. The more it spreads, that's the that's the real, um, you know, I don't I can even say virus because it's not a virus. It's just the real holistic uh, growth of uh, knowledge that is happening right now. And it's just exciting to see so many people being attracted to this information, Tom. And I know you're seeing it on your side of, th of things too, because it's it's happening, you know, it is happening. And, and that's a race, you're right. It's a race against the clock right now. So, um, hey man, appreciate you so much. Hey everyone, thanks. And we'll see you next week. Uh, and remember, get outside, get your feet in the in the soil, go plant something, go for a hike. Mother Nature is our best teacher, and we need to honor her every moment we can. Love you. We'll see you next time.